welcome to China EVs and More, where my co-host Li Xing and I will go over the week's most important and interesting news coming out of the China EV, AV, and mobility sectors. Uh, what Lei and I discuss today is based on our opinions and should not be taken as investment advice. If you enjoy this room, please help us get the word out to other enthusiasts, and of course, tune in again next week. My name is Tu Lee. I am the Managing Director at Sinoato Insights, a management consultancy that helps organizations bring innovative and tech-focused products and services to the transportation and mobility sectors. I write a free weekly newsletter that we pull many of our discussion topics from. You can sign up for it at SinoAutoInsights.com, which of course I encourage you all to do. A tired lay, can you please introduce yourself? Tired of, uh, well, not tired of, but tired of watching the uh, Neil event. Uh, good afternoon from my side and good evening from any of you that are joining maybe from Europe and a very good morning, early morning for any of you that's joining in Asia. I am your co-host, Lei Xing, former chief editor of China Auto Review, and this is episode number 86. So the really, since we last talked, four headlines. Neil Day in Berlin today, the big win from Michigan attracting Goshen and our next energy, BYD's big 10, no, not 10, 100,000 order from 6th and September EV sales. And uh, many of us probably just watched the Anil Berlin event. So what's your takeaway, To Bin Lee's English is pretty damn good. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all agreed to that. And uh, I do think the audience was very excited and well attended. So... I don't know if there's any other brand outside of Tesla, not a GM, not a Porsche that could bring this type of excitement in this environment. Because as Neo launches into Europe, we're seeing a bloodbath in the markets, right? And if we look year to date, Tesla's down 44%. Neo is down almost 60% year to date. So obviously, today at least, William is not worried about the share price. He's excited about the future and the name change to one of his SUVs. <laughs> but yeah. uh, what do you think? What do you think? Well, you know, when you said a labored lay, I got my uh, booster shot yesterday. So thankfully, this Neil event is keeping me sane. But <laughs> I think I, I probably going to drop after we uh, finish this pod. Woman just your Lauren, man. So, so my takeaways are a, a few. So, again, I tweeted that the, the best thing was, you know, William speaking awesome English the whole time, albeit he must have practiced numerous times. And, uh, you know, it's a pleasant surprise. Neil, as you said, felt just a bit more international or global because of that, because of William speaking English, because we've never seen that before. And if we're being frank, a lot of white faces in the crowd, right? Yeah, well, I think it's, well, the, the event is obviously nicely choreographed. Yeah. And uh, it's what we expect from a Neil event because we've seen how many six days now, uh, Neil days now, five or six already, right? And the other takeaway is I felt personally that Neil, and many, maybe many people as well, Neil is the best smart EV brand from China that doesn't feel like a Chinese brand. Do you agree? I do. I think that near bankruptcy, that they used all that capital to bring in and focus on branding, customer experience, and design is really paying off right now. And yeah. it doesn't feel, and you and I spent years in China, right? It doesn't feel at all like, I can't think of one thing as I was watching that says, oh man, that's that seems very Chinese, you know, because you and I always kind of think, okay, there's always something Chinese about X, Y, and Z, right? So I think the Neil branding is the best thing after the next TV, uh, how it's short, how if you say it in English, it's right, it's easy to pronounce and, and it means new. So, I mean, it's right there. 
what was was it you know good start and the other takeaways i guess in the first hour or so for those of us that have followed neil for a significant number of time since day one basically right there wasn't much new right it, it was all about the branding the, the you know whatever the design educating on subscription a little bit uh, yeah so i think everybody was looking forward to the pricing and how they would market it. And I, I guess the subscription model and exclusive at that was a kind of a surprise choosing to go through that venue. I think maybe they did their homework on the way to enter Europe. Right. Or or wider, you know, swap of Europe. What do you think? Yeah, I think that they, I thought it seemed a bit rushed, but as we look back over the last several weeks, they they were very premeditated. They were on social media. They were very friendly. They just seemed like a well, like you said, choreographed launch for Europe and culminating in this successful event because we're talking about it. I think a lot of our followers on Twitter are also still talking about it too. So we, we knew, like you said, also that there weren't going to be any new products, but how how to position Neo in Europe differently than in China, that was what I was kind of looking forward to seeing. And the subscription being one of the ways to do it, right? And I think the other huge significance is you, you feel this, I think, this kind of a dagger into the heart of Germany and the birthplace of the automobile, but no blood yet. Not yet. Well, let's say German <laughs> legacy, German legacy auto, right? So yeah, and I think if you think back of any Chinese brand that has had this type of, you know, fervor, the only one I can think of was Lincoln Co. Back in 2016, they also announced their uh, brand in Berlin, uh, but this one is much bigger. Although the similarity is. Maybe Lincoln Co.'s subscription model is something that Neo probably has studied. Yeah. Right? So, and then I think the other fine print was uh, they're still doing that Euro NCAP of the ET7. Right. It's to be uh, results to be published in mid November. And they have this kind of staggered approach in, in launching these models. So, first the ET7 and then the EL7 and then the ET5 uh, early next year. So I, I would summarize it to be a cautious approach to, to, to enter the European market with kind of a step back with, with the subscription model. Uh, I, I have no idea, you know, the way they, uh, the pricing of it, you know, how that compares with others. But right, I think it's still kind of feeling the stones by crossing the river. Yeah, and I, I think the European consumers will also need help in trying to compare and map out the ET7 and ET5. It's easy to say ET7 maps out to the 5.7 series, but there's a little bit of overlap because the German legacies, at least in the sedan category, they have so many different products that you can get a 3 series, a 4 series, a 5 series, a 6 series, a 7 series. So, you know, the ET7 could could also attract a five series buyer, an E class buyer, a seven series buyer. So it it, it kind of goes against multiple segments versus the Germans, and and that's where it's interesting to see who they'll take from. Right. Well, the the, the Germans did win by getting that EL seven name changed. <laughs> yeah. So chalk it up a win for for Audi. That's a that's <laughs> that's a bit of uh, that's yeah, yeah. that's that's. Freaking Audi being poor sport, I think. So yeah, I think the other thing um, I was looking at was that the fine print in these subscription models is restrictions on the mileage, right? Right, uh, the twelve hundred fifty kilometers, and then you have to pay extra for every kilometer thereafter, right? So I think this is quite different from uh, in the U.S., where for me, for example, I just bought this hybrid, and I put. Just a little bit over four months, almost 6,000 miles, living in a small town, needing for the vehicle to go everywhere. Now, is that different um, in, in Europe? 
I don't know, but it probably is the, the way how these uh, owners use their vehicle. Maybe that's what they've done their, their uh, homework, that this would be okay, that, you know, just something that I, I thought of. I also think that these limits also, because they probably have a certain calculation on the battery degradation. And so if it goes more than X number of kilometers or X number of miles, then it will reduce the the value of the battery quicker, right? So Yeah. And logistically, operationally, this is probably, I don't know, creating a, also a challenge where a subscription model that an owner would expect this kind of flexibility is the new premium. But, you know, when you can kind of swap your car for another model uh, in how many months? Right. Right. And then what do you do with the car that was being used? I guess, do you give it to a different um, subscriber? Right. The All these issues that they have to confront. The one thing that we should key in on is this is where BMW and Mercedes and an Audi could not go without more controversy because their customers, their business model has been X. And for them to introduce this, it would be a shock to the system for the traditionalists. But a Neo who's coming in and really pushing the the envelope of being innovative technology forward, bringing this subscription model is more of a pleasant surprise than it would be a burdensome thing that need to be explained if you were a BMW or an Audi or a Mercedes, right? So I think really focusing and because there's no baggage of history in Europe for Neo, they're allowed to do these new things and try these new things, right? Yeah. And Volvo, I guess, is probably the the only European brand that, that has any significant presence in, in the subscription business with the care by Volvo, right? I think it's also available here in the US. I think the other company that does okay is Porsche in the US with a subscription model. Right. And and, and this Ralph Kranz, he worked at Volvo for many years, the, the general manager of Neo Germany. So there's some experience. And uh, Lincoln Co., you know, they've had some success doing the subscription model. This is Blue Ocean. And, and let's be clear, this is Blue Ocean. It could be a great idea and it could be not so good of an idea, but they're out there. They're trying something. And I think you should applaud them for that. That's the spirit, I think. Yeah. And I also saw that Sixth does have a car subscription here in the US. And I looked up the prices. They're mostly $800, $900 a month. Which to cheap guys like me sounds like a lot of money for... <laughs> For a lease payment. <laughs> but. but let's say you, if you were living in Europe right now, you're looking for a car and, and Neil just come out with this subscription model. Do you feel it's expensive? Well, so this is the thing that I'm not that clear about because I believe if you're a salesperson or independent business owner, there are different ways to categorize that expense. So it's better and easier for you. But so, so in the United States, that would be pretty burdensome. That's not to say that people that are driving Tahoes, people that are driving Model S's don't have 800, 900 US dollar. People that are driving Porsches don't have 800, 900 US dollar lease payments. But, you know, at a certain point in time, it just becomes if you have that disposable income, right? And you want that flexibility. Because ultimately, buying and owning or, or leasing and versus owning are two different things. And uh, this is not for the entry-level buyer, for sure. So No, and I think the, the clientele, European clientele, is probably a little bit older than and some of the owners of Neil in China. I would think they'd be at least tw- 20 years older, at least 20 years older. Uh, well, I'm not sure if that much, but it's somewhat older. And, you know, their habits in using and owning car is different. You know, whether they would want these very avant-garde features, it could be a little bit toned down, perhaps. And the one thing that is important to note, Lay, is these early adopters, these German early adopters, these Dutch early adopters, they're all going to flock to this. 
And yeah. they'll sell the, they'll sell in the teens and the hundreds to these early adopters, and that'll be the marketing and the brand awareness that they need to move into the mainstream. I think it's really the the question mark is the user operation ecosystem and the energy operation ecosystems. These two things Neil is bringing into Europe, and the question mark is: Are they going to work as expected? So we'll see that play out. And will it work Europe-wide or in only certain countries? I think that's another distinction that needs to be made. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with this Neil Berlin, I'm, I'm looking forward to Neil San Francisco in 2023. Mark my word. We'll be there. <laughs> so a piece of my heart's in the Bay Area, so I'm always down to go to the Bay Area. So. <laughs> it's much closer, too, but who knows? We'll be... <laughs> Back to China, maybe. Yeah, well. <laughs> but, uh, so, all right. I think that's that's pretty much. Um, I think we'll, we'll. It's still a bit early, I guess. But this is, you know, they're trying something new. And again, I just don't think I'm, I'm going through in my mind the Rolodex of brands. I just don't think there's any other brand outside of Tesla that could push this kind of excitement over social in about. A launch, and not even a vehicle launch, a brand launch, effectively, right? So kudos to them, the team that put it together, the 700 strong that's already in Europe for NEO did a fantastic job. And I know that you and I know a handful of people from the China team that are over there helping out. And a couple of them are are Li Bin and uh, Qin Li Hong's uh, handlers. So kudos to them. Congratulations on this successful launch. I think it sets a great precedent uh, moving forward. So, but I think Li Hong and William. I mean, they're intelligent enough, whether it's language wise or business wise, that you know it's it's not strange to them, right? But but you and I were talking about uh, Li Xiang and the. Challenges with the the you know L nine L eight and L seven and and how they just because Li Xiang is a very successful entrepreneur right yeah so but Li Xiang is a bit of a more kiddo type of personality rather than you know uh, yeah <laughs> right because when you see William Lee in interviews he seems a bit humble but. This guy has the boldest ideas, right? And we're seeing it. And we yeah. saw it today. So I would expect more bold ideas, more innovations, more risk-taking, calculated risk-taking. Because do you see a Wang Chuanfu or even just a BYD doing an event like this, right? Cause well, BYD, you know, maybe we, move, uh, we can move on to BYD a little bit. Okay. It's a different animal because they are positioning-wise – they're more of a mass brand type of, although. But they're not. The town and the, and the <laughs> right? Yeah. The 72,000 euros doesn't put them at that mass brand level. So to me, that deserved a formal launch. You just don't throw that out into the atmosphere and say, throw a 70,000 euro price tag on it and say, come get it. Yeah, and and they're using the uh, traditional approach of doing it at the Paris Motor Show, whereas Neo is doing a standalone event, right? Right. So that's the difference there. And then the other one is similar to Neo, this trial kind of a trial balloon, as you would always say, with the sixth deal. It's another way to kind kind of get the brand and the cars out there without you owning them. I love that sixth is being so aggressive and embracing China EV Inc. Because a year ago, when I had asked a few friends about Sixth, I got the impression that they're this stodgy Hertz for Germany. But man, they're going after it. They have Neo, they have BYD. So kudos to them. And they're launching autonomous robo-taxi pilot with Neo. Yep. Yeah, I was just about to mention that. Yep. Mobile Eye, right in Munich. Yep. Yeah, and so uh, BYD. I mean, it's right. You have Hertz, you have Sixth, you have Tesla, you have BYD. There's, it's it's right. Just just another way to get your brand out there to for people to experience. And it's it's also a hundred thousand units. That takes some of the uh, capacity uh, burden off. 
sort of, I guess. <laughs> well, that that's a that's a hundred thousand with a big asterisk, right? So a big asterisk, right? Thousands supposedly to be delivered in Q4, but that's over a number of years, so it's not going to happen in one year. And this is my question to you, Lei, because with BYD and the Addo going mass market at thirty six thousand euro, and then the Ha and the Ta going ha up market premium. I can't say luxury; I'll say premium at seventy two thousand euro. Branding needs to be really, really tight, and the partnership between BYD and Sixth needs to be really, really skin tight. Or else, because BYD is a new brand in Europe, it's going to confuse the hell out of the European consumer. So you haven't heard anything、uh, whether BYD is going to go through subscription as well. We, I don't think we've heard that. I've not heard that. Right. It seems that. It's just the sixth rental play, and also the the that you buy it、yep. individually、uh, play. But we have our moles, so maybe that's our homework this weekend. Find out, and that's BYD's homework, yeah, as well. I guess after this event, because remember they're going to bring, and I'm referring to China EV Inc. They're going to bring their quick reaction and quick updates to the European market as well. So you're going to see、yeah. European <laughs> car makers get whiplash. And whether it's overkill because the European consumer might not be as receptive to quick changes in pricing and in features, we'll see. You know. And the wild card is the、um, energy prices. What's that going to do to the the EV sector? But I think it it's going to be interesting to see because the 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 hard restrictions that the EU has. Committed to is really going to force more EV adoption across the region, and yes, the pricing is going to be a pretty large hiccup for 2023. But the long-term outlook is we have a cliff for EV adopt or, or a cliff for petrol use, and we need to quickly bring that around. And the car makers are going to be responsible for that, right? So, yeah, and and I think the, the for the legacies, I mean, yeah, they must be. I mean, to, to lose to BYD on on the sixth is kind of a right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, because to me, and, and and you and I, I, I I'll I'll admit to my to to you, I haven't done a ton of research or asked anybody about why. Volkswagen or the the legacies didn't partner with Sixth, but my intuition tells me that the Volkswagens, the Beamers, and the you know all these German legacies were like ah you know it's this it's this brand that's not doing anything and it, it'll tarnish what what we've accomplished right. Whereas the Chinese EV companies are like yeah let's bring this on let's do this we need a a name name partner and we'll bring them with us we'll pull them ahead with us. And their reputation, whereas legacy, the the German legacies were probably like, ah,、oh, yeah, yeah, we don't want to be associated with Sixth. Yeah, I mean they are, but just not at the scale and, and kind of the、um, exposure as. Yeah, not not as a co-branded opportunity or business. So, I mean, there's only three, right? Tesla, Polestar, and now GM with Hertz and、uh, BYD. That that are yeah. I, Twenty twenty three in in Europe is going to be extremely interesting because I think we'll see a bit of leveling off at the beginning of the year for the China market, so that China EV Inc can focus a bit more on exports to Europe as the brands become more established, create more awareness, and really mate. With the competitors in the market, there, yeah, and the success of Neil and and BYD as、um, as much the success of China EV Inc. Right, and the G nine is coming there, and it couldn't come at a better time for Xpod because I I believe they're the worst off since since the beginning of the year. Their share price is down eighty percent. So and. 
Right, and then if we move on to the September EV sales charts, <laughs> the, the two most, the wildest players are, in fact, Xbox and the Auto in terms of consistency. They're they're the most wild. Yes, <laughs> right? yes. Xbox falling for the third straight month, and the Auto just thankfully with the <laughs> L9 somehow. <laughs> And you and I made this commitment to 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 the audience, right? We're going to praise when it's appropriate, but also criticize when necessary. And we've congratulated Neo on the successful Berlin launch, but their numbers need to show up in the next couple of yeah. months. And and as we always say, you know, the ones that are at the top are the most dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> so this is where you could set your watch to it. BYD is just just crushing it. Oh my god! Yeah, and it's uh, congrats. So so let me congratulate them. They got over two hundred and one thousand combined sales for PHEVs and EVs. First time ever for six months straight, they've been growing their 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 sales, and I don't see any at least in China. I think they still have some challenges in Australia, and I think they're going to sort out their supply strategy into Europe over the next couple of months. So, and they did put out a number. I think it was over seventy seven hundred units exported in September, with the Atto three accounting for the majority, right? So Australia, and then pretty soon, you know, these into the European markets. So. Not not sales, but only export. So yeah, I'm hoping that they can sort out with their partner or find a new partner uh, in Australia because I don't know if the current partner is able to 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 handle BYD. So so basically, outlook for September is you got BYD with two hundred thousand. You got maybe Tesla is closing in on a hundred thousand. We don't know the numbers. They're probably going to come out this weekend, and then the rest. Of these that have published numbers, they're over hundred thousand. So this is well over four hundred thousand just by these players. And then you have, you put the rest, make it to close to seven hundred thousand in in September. Absolutely insane! During a COVID lockdown, supply chain challenged quarter. Yeah, and then full year as I tweeted, um, twenty eight million total autos. 7 million, roughly, roughly, uh, 7 million NEVs, including exports. That's that's the picture. 7, 7 million. <laughs> oh, man. 7 million. So, and thank BYD and thank Tesla for uh, a, a big percentage of, of that 7 million. Because the, the Neos, the Liatos, we talk about them a lot, but the numbers don't. You know, I mean, their their volumes are fairly insignificant. It's that seven million dollar uh, denom- seven million denominator. So yeah, not consistently growing enough to be like a BYD or a Tesla. So and and this shows that we're seeing operational issues from the startups. We're we're still calling them startups, but they're they're all at least six seven years old. Operational issues. We're seeing positioning issues. We're seeing product planning issues, supply chain issues. And so this is all a part of being a startup. You have these growing pains, where whereas BYD and for Tesla, at least on the production side, right, they're able to just churn out cars, ho-hum, without any real issues. With Tesla, it's going to be a demand issue. We're already seeing that. So they, they, by the way, they didn't have any price cuts, but they did offer this 7,000 MMB, which is a thousand dollars insurance savings for, for the national day holiday week. And, and also like zero down, you know, financing these type of things kind of to, to, to push. And you, you and I know that in, in the terms of traditional auto, if, even if you don't reduce the price, but you put, We'll put in quotes money on the hood some other way, basically incentivizing without reducing the 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 MSRP or the price. You're still reducing the overall total cost of ownership for the consumer. So you're incentivizing them even further, right? Well, if anybody, it's going to be Tesla that's going to pull out this price slash play 
interplay. I think they have to. Yeah. I think, you know, it won't be surprising to see that in the coming weeks and months. I think they're going to wait a couple of weeks because get people out of the October holiday and into the third week of October. If they see light foot traffic in the retail stores, they're, they're going to go to that well again. And for the EV companies that are on the margins that can't really reduce price or offer other incentives, alternative incentives, it's going to put a lot of pressure on them. It's not going to really affect the BYDs and the NEOs. It might affect an XPUNG and it might affect an, a Li Auto who are having challenges with old product in the market. It's the same challenge that Tesla has. So in China. So, uh, last topic. I know we're at the forty-minute mark, but back home, I mean, this, this. I think to Michigan. I think you're a Michigander almost. Well, you are. So, I am. <laughs> I mean, it's it's special for you. I think to to see, and you know, for the Chinese, as you say, hell or highway. The Chinese are coming, and they're coming. Yeah, with the Goshen, and and also really. You know, having talked to uh, Mujib with our next energy, I think up until that visit that we had, I didn't really think of them as being the next significant player until this huge announcement. Boom. Right? So, And he was quoted in the Wall Street Journal article that, that I linked to in, in this week's newsletter, what effectively said to us in the meeting. There were a lot of OEMs prior to the Inflation Reduction Act or the IRA that were kicking the tires. And in in automotive sales terms, that means people that come in, look at cars, but don't buy. That means they're just going and kicking the tires. But then after the IRA, and he told us this in the meeting, now they're calling back saying, let's work together. Let's find a way to work together. And I'm excited for him because... So you know this. You spent a week with me basically in Detroit. I'm a homer. Man, I want us to win. And you also know that it's going to be difficult to compete. But these two big wins on the board, and you'll, you'll, you'll smile at this. I sent the newsletter out this morning. And let me see here. Let me show you. <laughs> <laughs> Our good friend, John McElroy, not not. Two hours or an hour after I send it, or two hours, no, four hours after I send it, he sends, don't forget LG's battery plant in Holland, Michigan, which is undergoing a $1.7 billion expansion, and GM's $4 billion battery plant going up in Lansing. So, John, if you're listening to the podcast, thank you. Keeps me honest because we didn't acknowledge those, or I didn't acknowledge those in the newsletter. So Michigan is a major player in battery cell manufacturing in the United States, in the world now, in the world now. Yeah. And and do you remember um, that day when we were listening to Governor Whitmer speaking on the reception at the Detroit Auto Show? And she basically said, "Uh, you know, uh, bring those supply chains to Michigan. Bring those uh, investment to Michigan. We're ready for you. And Boom, what happened? <laughs> right. She's 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 got a tough job because she does know that the manufacturing jobs are going away just because the transition to electric vehicles will dictate that. Yeah, and, and the telltale sign for the Goshen project, how many states fought over it? <laughs> right? Texas, Georgia, Kentucky, South Carolina, Illinois, Ohio. As our good friend Steve says. Local politics trumps geopolitics, right? (laughs) Yeah, and I'm super impressed with what the state of Michigan was able to do because they announced they they announced both of those on the same day this week. So yeah, and also the fine print just just to stress, this is actually not a cell plant. Yes, it's it's not. This is a battery components plant producing cathode and anode materials. I thought that was interesting. Which is meeting the components share requirements in the IRA, obviously, right? Yes, that is the that is the key distinction that we need to make because there's components that need to be made locally, raw materials and rare earth materials that also need either to be mined or refined. 
by free trade partners or in the North America region. And the one, the fine print for the one investment is it is uh, a cell production, but there's more. They're also doing material refinement, pack, recycling, second life. So that's why they call it one circle, which is also uh, different than, than some of the other, let's say, LGs or SKs. And if you're wondering whether Mujib is legit and you know his tech is real, he convinced a couple of his ex-Apple executives that he worked with to come over and either be advisors or uh, or part of the management team. So I'm not saying that if you're an Apple employee, you're instant instantly validated, but he's he's got believers. He's got a lot of believers that his technology is going to be a major part of the future for electric vehicles, at least in the United States. I think he has grand ambitions beyond the U.S. market. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he's going to pop up next. It's hard to believe they're only two years old. And now <laughs> how, how much they have elevated just over the last few weeks. And it's the only one that's really gotten any traction or any, yeah. any voice. It's, it's now the, it could be potentially become, you know, how they're working with BMW on, on a uh, iX trial vehicle, right? So BMW iVentures is an investor in our next energy, hence the partnership. Yeah. What I was going to say is BMW really made who CATL is today. Yes, yes. And now potentially BMW is going to make one into the American, let's say, CATL, perhaps. But the irony <laughs> of it is that BMW EVs are in are no leadership role. Well, I think that their sales jumped and their orders for the i7 was pretty good. I think I saw one of the articles yeah. uh, in the U.S. I got to see that to believe it. Uh, the reason, <laughs> the reason I, I'm a little bit bearish on BMWs because they had it. They had an i3. They had the i8. Yeah, they're, they're going with the hydrogen. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I just wish BMW would have just stayed the course. They would be a leader right now in EVs. A leader. So let's open the room up. It is 3.48 p.m. where I'm sitting and where Leigh is sitting. So what we'll do is we'll keep talking because there's a few other things that I wanted to bring up and chat with you on lay but if anyone has any questions i know eric had a question so if you're still around eric and you have that question i think it was about tesla probably his model three but uh (laughs) (laughs) happy to chew the fat with any of the listeners that have any questions so just raise your hand anyways this this was a special week because china is on holiday so not much I guess happening, let's say in China per se, but still, Neil kind of <laughs> they, they they like to choose uh, interesting dates because the people in China they're right at the end of tail end of their holiday and they have to stay up and and watch this and then go to work in the morning. <laughs> and October is going to be a really important month in China's history. Full stop. I'm I'm saying from the beginning of China's history, because it will be the culmination of a third term for Xi Jinping. And anecdotally, Lei, my friend, he is his parents live in Dongbei, and he traveled to Dongbei to get his to update his family visa. Mm-hmm. And he said when he got on the train to go back to Beijing, there was a separate security line for the train going to Beijing. And he had got he had sure. to go through three x-ray scanners, show his papers multiple times. So you know getting into Beijing right now, if you're an out-of-towner, I'm just saying out of town in China, within China, is going to be Really, really, really difficult. Not not impossible, but there's going to be a lot of scrutiny until at least a week or two after the 16th. So, and again, we're we're, we're seeing some lockdowns in in Shanghai and other places. Yeah, and so uh, <laughs> I, I, oh. it is 
And, and this is one of the reasons I'm, I'm in the U.S. because I needed some predictability and I needed to be able to see people and talk to people. But I'm hopeful. Realistically, I'm, I'm trying to be pragmatic. By summer, things will change permanently in, in China Next by next summer. I'm not optimistic. You know, hopefully after the, um, the two sessions. Yeah. Let me also ask you, Lei, Kalb went public in Hong Kong earlier last last week. Yeah, following uh, Lead Motor, right? So they have a pretty ambitious target of becoming the third largest battery cell manufacturer in the world within the next five years. So how do you see a pathway for them to be able to do that? Well, what's, what CATL, what BYD are doing, they have to follow. What Goshen is doing, they, if they don't do it, then they can't be that in that number three position. And they need foreign automakers on board, many, many foreign automakers on board. And was it Kelv that had a series of lawsuits with CATL, like back and forth, if I remember correctly? Yes. Some were dropped, some were, I don't know, might still be in play. You know, like the, the infringement, you know, whatever, whatever these. But yeah, I mean, I mean, now you have probably what the big four now, if if you count this just listed. Yeah, the one thing because we do have a pretty varied audience today. Porsche is now worth more than Volkswagen Group. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, if we're keeping score, everyone. Tesla still is number one. Toyota still is number two. BYD is number three. Porsche is number four at around 80 billion euro, I want to say. And uh, Volkswagen is a little bit less than that. Or, so I'm sure Volkswagen's happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm, I'm not so sure about that. With an apostrophe, happy or quotes. Oh, actually, I lied. The last thing I wanted to bring to you was what we talked about this morning was this billion dollar investment by Volkswagen Group into this software development partnership in China. With oh, the, we all know who it is. Yeah. Don't we? I think so. <laughs> so and and right, it's 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 popped up before. And now we're probably gonna hear the the, the juicy details of it. Yeah. So for 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 our audience, the Reuters had released an article this morning stating that they were going to make an announcement about a partnership. And uh, our good friend, who I won't mention, had uh, confirmed to us that it's likely going to be with Huawei. And it, to me, reeks of desperation that they're just not able to get and move fast enough to keep up with what's going on in China. Hence, buying as opposed to making the connected vehicle in china your your, your teeth was funny the amazon <laughs> hugo <laughs> apple <laughs> yeah so I was, I was thinking no there's other companies that that have named after h for example homo homo ai <laughs> There's a Horizon Robotics. Yes, yes. <laughs> and and it actually complicates their global hardware software stack quite a bit. So, again, this emphasizes how important the China market is to the Volkswagen group, bottom line. So, And interestingly, they're, they're, they're moving Skoda production to Vietnam. Do you see that? Yeah, I saw that. We need another, <laughs> another reason to go to Vietnam, dude. Another reason to go to Vietnam. <laughs> I'm saying in 2023, we're taking a trip to Vietnam, buddy. <laughs> and I'll, I'll teach you a couple of, as bad as my Chinese is, it's better than my Vietnamese currently. Give, <laughs> give me a week back in Vietnam, it'll be okay. But anyways, uh, that's all I had today. Let me actually, let me, let me take that back. The couple of things <laughs> that I think, yeah, cobalt mining is back in the U.S., I'd written this in the newsletter. Starting today, there's a mining company that's going to be mining for cobalt in Idaho. I think you're going to see these announcements, including the one with uh, one doing some of the uh, supply, bringing some of the supply chain back domestically. That's what they want. Yep. But again, that one factory, the 20 gigawatt hours, won't be online until 
full capacity at least. I think on, I think until at least twenty twenty six. Yeah, is that correct? As you said, you know, thirty months, thirty six months to kind of ramp it up. So, and I believe that they are looking at a second location. Maybe, maybe not in Michigan. So, I think he did mention that. Yeah, in our visit. I don't know so, if we were supposed to say anything, but the cat's out of the bag, and it's probably an obvious thing, anyways. <laughs> um, the the final thing that I wanted to mention is that the state of New York has announced that they will be banning the sale of petrol vehicles by 2035, following in the footsteps of California. So we are starting to see now in the U.S. two of the largest states for vehicle sales, putting bookends on petrol vehicle sales. Yeah. So it's happening. It's happening. And Toyota is not happy. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And normally when California and New York make a change in automotive policy, there is at least another 10 or 12 states that will follow their lead. Massachusetts will likely follow. So for for our American listeners, ready or not, here they come. And what we're hoping for is that the American legacy automakers really, really hit doubles and triples with their vehicle launches. And we're going to need to see Chinese EVs come to the United States in order to fill out all of the different market segments in order to... To, to really satisfy these restrictions that are coming up very, very quickly. So, I mean, after Neil Berlin today, I don't see why we can't see a Neil San Francisco 2023. Do you think it'll be SF or New York or LA? I think it'll be SF okay. in, in the West Coast, California. Union Square? Somewhere in California. Yeah. Because, right, they're, they're, reportedly they are looking at a Neil House location in San Francisco. Yeah. So, and San Francisco, I guess a lot of wasn't the Audi e-tron the global debut was in San Francisco. I think so. Right. So think about that. You know, I think it's coming. So when we're in Northern California in November for our visits, we will have to scout out the Union Square area. There's a couple other areas in San Francisco that they could be, but let's see if there are any corner vacant buildings and that would be perfect for a neo so the actually the the last thing and and you might remember this my friend in california my old co-worker he had that e-tron he sold his e-tron back to the dealer for sixty thousand dollars so he basically leased it for, it for free yeah and yeah now he is driving a blue Rivian R1T. <laughs> so he loves it. Good for him. He said the interiors are almost as good as Audi, which he was really impressed by. And remember, this guy knows his car stuff. And uh, so next time I'm in California, at, likely at the end of this month, I'm going to be getting a ride in that, or I'm going to drive that R1T. It is cool, man. I I, I saw it last year. And, so. and I'm also going to get a chance to drive a 356B convertible that he has parked in his garage. So I'm looking forward to it. So anyways, that's all I have. Unless anyone has any final questions, maybe we can close the room. Yeah, just the housekeeping. So still another busy week. So actually tomorrow, the Neutron MV finally... I think launches. Yep. Right. So it's been some time since we last talked about Neutron. And then next week is the big uh, Polestar 3 reveal. And they just announced that they, they're they meeting their, they're going to meet their 50,000 global sales target this year. Oh, and one thing that you folks should Google is Foxtron also launched and unveiled a vehicle. Foxtron is Foxconn's EV brand. And it looks like it may be being built in Ohio. Lordstown? Yep. Because Lordstown is huge and demand for Lordstown Motors and the Fisker is prob pair is probably not going to fill that factory. <laughs> At least not yeah. in the not in the very beginning. So I think Foxconn is looking at 
either recruiting another brand along with the two they already have and the and the Foxtron vehicle. So in the next 18 months, it'll be interesting to see what is coming out of Lordstown, Ohio factory that is now owned by Foxconn. So yeah, just lots of happening in, in the US. I mean, it's exciting. More so than China, maybe even. Yeah, well, it is it is freaking October first week in China, so it's a little quiet, but I'm expecting the end of the year to be quite interesting with a lot of fireworks. And yep. uh and we'll start seeing whether the L seven, L eight, L nine is going to be able to make up for the Lee one that stopped selling effectively last month. Well, whether they are as advertised. Yeah. Anyways. So, hey, everyone, um, thanks again for joining us. Great crowd today. And uh, maybe maybe it's something we can do moving forward, man, because everybody's here. Yep. I'm flexible, as you know, as long as it's not 3 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> All right. <laughs> good morning, good afternoon, good evening. And Lay, have a good weekend, man. We'll talk to you on WeChat. Yeah, you too. And uh, have a good weekend to everyone. Later. That brings us to the end of this week's show. Lay and I thank you for tuning in. My name is Tu Lee, and you can find me on Twitter at Sino Auto Insight. That's S-I-N-O-A-U-T-O-I-N-S-I-G-H-T. You can find Lei on Twitter at LeiXing77. That's L-E-I-X-I-N-G-7-7. If you wouldn't mind rating and or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you grab your podcast from, we'd appreciate that as well. Even better, if you enjoy this show, please tell your friends about it. Please join us again next week as we track down all the latest news on China, EVs, and more.